0: Hi, and welcome to the Slush podcast. As you probably know, Slush is the world's leading startup event. You're about to hear an interview conducted at Slush 2017 on the Founder Studio stage, where the biggest names in tech sat down for an intimate Q&A. Mark Finkes is the co-founder of Zynga, the game company, and one of his guiding principles has been to design games that bring people together. He was interviewed by Carl Freese, so let's hear what he had to say. So, start off, what are some of the most formative experiences in your career? There's
1: so many. Maybe uh, in my 20s, I was fired from every job I was ever in. Um, that was formative for me. Um, I mean, it... Forced me to pick a different line of work and eventually I, I, the only opportunity left was to be an entrepreneur um, but I, I did out of that develop this idea of um, looking for what I call expert witnesses and and I felt i don 't know about you guys but you feel like you 're supposed to pay your dues and you're you 're working in some company and you 're maybe closest to the data, but you 're furthest from the decision and you're kind of like, I call it an expert witness. You're kind of called to the stand and the decision makers hear you out, then they excuse you, and then they go off in a room and decide. And and I didn't want to pay my dues um, and I didn't want to be an expert witness, so I became an entrepreneur. But then I looked for expert witnesses like Dan Guerin, who's here with me. He worked at Zynga and he would come up to me at uh, all hands company meetings and he would complain about all these things that were stupid in the company, and I finally said, why not stop complaining and help me fix this stuff, because he was expert witness, so I wanted to empower him. So that was formative, I guess, being in that position and spotting it in other people. Oh, the other thing is, I have this concept called broken resumes, and I was a broken resume. I mean, really broken. I mean, it didn't look good that I was at all these jobs for like a year, year and a half, and I started to realize, that I like to hire people who have broken resumes, who um, maybe they got near greatness or something uh, was gonna work and then didn't. Um, and, and they have something a little bit more to prove in the world. Um, and they're gonna kind of come in and, and uh, not necessarily, they're not coming to do you a favor. They're, they're excited that you're giving them the reins to go and do something.
0: Right. And how did you get into technology? Were those jobs that you got fired from sort of tech jobs already or something else?
1: Well, I was inspired, this is really dating myself, but in the late 80s. I read this guy George Gilder, and he wrote this book, Microcosm, and he said, the future is going to be everything, all this technology is going to be inside everything around us, and this network is going to make everything um, better. Um, and that led me, I, I'd say, I'm not really a technologist. I'm, I'm, I represent like the average idiot user of all this stuff and that's what I bring to the table. So I just thought technology is stupid, we're not stupid. And so what I've spent my whole career doing is trying to figure out how do we put all these pieces together in ways that are more accessible to like normal human beings. In fact. My first company I was going to call, uh, it just works, like IJW, but didn't.
0: And uh, you also have an MBA, is that a a good thing or can it even be a bad thing or or neutral for an entrepreneur?
1: I think an MBA, and I know there's a woman here from Harvard Business School, um, but I think that an MBA in America is like a good excuse to take two years off and the world gives you credit for it. especially if you don't know what you want to do. And I watched a lot of HBO and I learned to play squash. It's like a fancy sport. Um, but I can't say honestly that, that the MBA had any value for me later on. So right. don't, don't bother.
0: All right. Uh, we got, we got a couple questions about,
1: is there, do people here get MBAs? No,
0: not really. Does not really okay. look like an MBA in Finnish universities, but yeah. Uh, Couple of questions about building Zynga sort of back in the day. Did you have any cultural pillars in mind when creating Zynga?
1: Cultural pillars? Yeah. Um yeah, I I had a couple of kind of cultural instincts. The first is, you know, it was Blackberries and then it was iPhones. I still feel today like this like we have this has the ability for us to do to be super productive in terms of turning manifesting ideas into things but the software hasn't kept up with it and and I feel like we now we could be productive every waking moment of the day and so we keep looking at our phones and and my friend Bing said that as a speaker you should know if you're very interesting or not by how much people are looking at their phones um so the more so you're kind of voting with your phones to like move on a better topic um but it, there's this potential that we're all kind of aware of, and we want that productivity, but it hasn't kept up, and so we end up just looking for something to do, and so we go on Facebook or Instagram, and we kind of become a, a culture of ADD people now because of this. Um, it's not such a bad thing, I just think, I think we're waiting for maybe one of you to create this killer app that lets us use these waking moments to manifest things you know, better.
0: And you mentioned uh, instincts on stage with Mickey as well, of uh, sort of recognizing the winning instincts. How, what are the questions you ask yourself when you're evaluating something? How do I how do I know that this is is a winning instinct?
1: Well, it, it's so hard. I, there's all these things that go on inside my head as an entrepreneur and product maker. One of them is beware of the B plus because a B plus is the enemy of an A, and and a B plus is an enemy of an F. And so a lot of times you might be going after an idea that's pretty good but it's not amazing and you're getting positive feedback loops about it. And, and before I did Zynga, I had this idea for this company called TagSense, and it was going to be this ad network for blogs and I had funding for it and people excited about it. And I was like, you know, it's just not that good an idea and it's so hard to do that but it takes up space and you have to be ready to, to kill that idea um, and make space. And sometimes there's a power in just saying, you know what? I don't have any good ideas right now. Like we all feel this need to be pursuing something, but you get booked up doing that. And so that that's on my mind a lot as a product maker. Um, we fall in love with our own ideas. It's, it's really hard to have this third person perspective and say, you know, I thought this would be the coolest thing and I was so excited about it. We were excited about it and now I built it and it's just not that great. And what do you do? And do you give up or do you keep going? I actually will kind of proudly tell you that I had the idea for Uber and Lyft in 2002. I had this idea that maybe we could order cars through our phones and I registered smstaxi.com. I think you could even look that up uh, on whatever, internet or whatever. And... I had this instinct, but I didn't have the right idea. And if I had pursued it, you know, it would have failed. And so it wouldn't have led to the success later on.
0: Do you think that's because of the timing, or because the mobile, like iPhone, didn't exist yet, or some other factors?
1: There, there's so many things. There's there's our personal journey as product makers, but you that only works within the context of the environment that we're in, and. And the thing that's on my mind a lot, and I was trying to talk about it in the broader talk, is that we need these innovation ecosystems. And Facebook and MySpace in 2007 were this amazing ecosystem that let us really move quickly and not waste time going and getting audiences and building all this software. And I feel like we need that today. It feels like, I don't know, it feels like we're kind of stuck in cement. Like, it just feels really slow and high friction to me and I'm curious is there something else that we're about to get to that that's going to be this new ecosystem that and what I want is I want this way to like have an idea and then within a week or two actually turn your idea into something that's in front of real people not in like a year or not after rounds of venture financing and and it feels somehow it feels like we've gone backwards on that
0: right so I mean we talked a little bit about mobile trends and mobile developing and Tuomas is asking as well also what are the current next trends um, and, and so in terms of that ecosystem we talked briefly about creating the WeChat for West which would be an open platform so um, is there somebody who should take lead on that um, what would need to happen for that to sort of material well, I feel
1: like one of the more obvious trends right now is Looking at these uh, Western chat systems, messaging systems like Facebook Messenger and Snapchat opening up, and and my company is spending a lot of time working on HTML-based games that we can move pretty quickly on, and and it's, I mean, it's been a, such a tough environment to to acquire audiences on mobile, and now we have games on Facebook Messenger that are regularly getting organically a hundred thousand installs a day, which is back to kind of where we were a long time ago, so that's exciting. And I'm, I'm excited about it, but I also wonder, I, I feel like, and I, I don't want to speak for all of you, but I, I worry that we're in this kind of victim place, that we're kind of waiting for something to open up that gives us that opportunity, instead of saying what, similar to what we're seeing in cryptocurrencies, how do we all create this open ecosystem together where, all of our efforts are having network effects that that are helping all of us with each effort and and i wonder like why isn't there an open wechat of the west you know why isn't there an open ended messaging service that that acts like http and it's not owned by any one company anyone can make their client and connect to this messaging system and the best you know it's like a mozilla browser or something but it's open source, and it's also just open in terms of the ability to add new apps to it. Um, I, I'm really wanting something like that. And, and I don't know the metaphor for browsing. That's like maybe it's a map, you know, like a Google map. But I'm really wanting to see that, and I feel like when, once we have that, it's going to be so much better um, for all of us.
0: Right, kind of like you were talking about AOL back in the day uh, versus like we thought that that's the internet or the extent of it in compared to what we have now which is something totally different.
1: Yeah like do you remember like it felt at one time like there was no way to compete with AOL and they were curated the entire internet experience and it was more mass market than the internet. The internet felt like kind of ham radio and a hobbyist thing. but eventually, the even 20,000 employees and developers at AOL couldn't keep up with 5 million on the internet. And I want to see that on mobile. I want to see that moment where we say, OK, Facebook's amazing. Snapchat, Google, these are amazing. But they're not the whole mobile ecosystem experience and experience. And we ought to have something that we all participate in um, that that any of us can add an in a, a, an innovation to, um, and where this whole ecosystem—I mean, the 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 water level goes up because you know we're we're able to focus on one piece of it. And I was with um, Amit yesterday, who was one of the four original engineers on Farmville, and you know these brilliant engineers should be able to do like one little thing. Like, why don't we? I feel like social hasn't moved forward. I feel like, why isn't there machine learning and AI for social? Why isn't there a social membrane that tells us, hey, this is, this is is I figured out who your good friends are. And now I'm going to start to give you these. I'm going to just do this one slice. I'm going to just tell you who your good friends are. And that's what I'm going to add to the cloud. Um, and now maybe in words of friends, we're able to pick some innovation of, this uh, social AI and machine learning and we're able to bring that into words of friends and help people find their good friends to play with instead of just anyone in your address book and we're not getting that leverage today does that make sense
0: does it make sense <laughs> i guess it does um.
1: i actually had a question uh, well basically we are a dating application on facebook messenger and we are almost getting one million users every month on Facebook Messenger or for our application. Most of the time when we speak to uh, investors, they actually point to your case. Saying that, you point, know... Point to what? Point Zynga. Saying that, you know, Zynga and Facebook had some troubles in the past. So, how reliable do you think Facebook is as a partner in the long run? If we, Because we also have our own application. However, it's a very clear case for us. You know, people use chatbots rather than the application. And we are, we are growing virally in that area. But that's a concern which keeps me awake most of the time at night, that is Facebook as a reliable partner uh, to to gain momentum on. I, I think the challenge for all of us is we need to be offering consumers uh, a really useful differentiated service that they value and they wanna have in any way. And, and you gotta view, um, Facebook Messenger maybe as just an easier on-ramp for them to discover you. But it doesn't mean that they can't go get the native app as well, that, that, that they could have a great experience with you and want more. Um, and I think in a lot of ways we used to say like we want to be a dial tone for play. Like We want our poker game to be a, a, to be your dial tone for poker. And as a dial tone, you could pick up a handset anywhere and connect into that same experience. So you want to kind of say, how do we... Introduce, and it's, it's hard because you want to be unique to that medium. And so you don't want to just view Facebook Messenger as a distribution platform. Absolutely. But at the same time, you want to also uh, hopefully introduce people to your service in a way that it goes beyond whether or not it happens to be on top of Facebook Messenger. And they would go and find it on their own anyway.
0: Yeah, we can take more audience questions with the uh, catch boxes now. Please keep it really close to your mouth so we can all hear what you're saying, asking.
1: Uh, hey, I'm Mika from Copla Games, and uh, we are turning three years old. And I'm curious to hear uh, that what kind of advice would you give a younger Mark, uh, younger Mark after first two, three years of Zynga, uh, especially from the point of view being an entrepreneur and a CEO? What, what so, kind of advice would I have for you just Earlier. For for younger for younger marks starting Zynga. Um, two thoughts on that. One is I I thought a lot before I started Zynga, I, I had a bunch of time of just not working and missed starts and and I got to think about alignment. And I and we tend not to think we're thinking about product market fit or the next milestone of funding or getting that next CTO. And these short-term milestones become the only thing we're focused on and it's very hard to really think long term about this deeper question of alignment and and with Zynga I really thought about okay I I really this time want to get it right and you get like one more piece right and two more wrong and I said I really want to have everyone aligned in the beginning that that I want to build something for the long term and I don't want to sell this or flip this and so I said to uh the original team and investors you know you should only join if you want to go kind of long term in the distance and and I said to investors I kind of I actually said here's the t- top 10 reasons you're not going to want to invest in my company and if you still want to talk after that great and most said thank you for not wasting my time I don't want to talk to you and but it was like failing fast dating your investors was was really useful because the the ones who did still talk to you were then aligned but i realize now and i maybe i'm overtuning to it but i'm inspired by the potential of cryptocurrencies what if what if there's a better way than this capitalist i'm a total capitalist but what if there's i keep thinking that equity is this dead energy in your company that long term how does equity how does you know, the majority of the equity of Google or Apple or these companies being owned by investors, how does that benefit the customer or the employee? And if I were, you know, advising my earlier self, I just think how, be careful. I guess I would like a placeholder. I might, if I were raising money today, I might say to my investors, hey, I want to have a placeholder in case we're ever an ICO. And I want to have this option that I could do an ICO Thank you for jump-starting us. I would like this kind of convertible debt or something. I don't know what it is. I'm making this up. But I'd like to have this ability, if we are the next Blue Bottle Coffee or whatever, and we do have super fans, then maybe we could buy you out and you're okay with that. Um, Because we want to have this long-term alignment between our, our customers and us as makers. And I feel like we'd have an advantage in the market. If... If I'm, you know, do you still have your coffee shop?
0: Uh, not anymore. Okay.
1: Yeah. But if 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 you're competing against Blue Bottle Coffee today and now they're owned by Nestle, you know, my friend told me the day that that Nestle acquisition was announced in San Francisco, there was no line at Blue Bottle Coffee. There's a trust in that brand that can evaporate. And there's a cynicism in games that we see with our users where they, oh yeah, you know, you've you got to ask me for money now. And if if we don't have to get these profits and siphon them outside of what's interesting, we can try to generate profits, but for the benefit of building better products and getting more super fans, and we might have an advantage that helps us win in the market because we're competing against someone who can't take that point of view. And so that's one thing I would think about a lot. The other is...
0: And I'm just standing there for those who don't know, a Blue Bottle of Coffee is it's like a coffee shop chain that started in the Bay Area of Fifteen years ago, ish, they raised over a hundred million dollars funding. Have like a few dozen shops now, and were just acquired by Nestle for half a billion dollars. And they essentially had like almost three hundred investors. So a lot of the sort of super fans um, were in some small part uh, angel investors. But, yeah. But
1: but there's this potential where if if being a blue bottle super fan or in Europe, you know, you're a super fan of a football team, lets you be an owner. And now you're an evangelist for something that you really believe in, and then you can drive this accountability. And with cryptocurrencies, there's a sense of voting and governing. Um, I know in games that that our superfans feel like they feel like this is their their game and their product, and they don't like us to change it or do something that messed up the product. And we ought to be more directly accountable to them, and they should feel that empowerment. and And I feel like. And these are kind of raw, unprocessed thoughts. Um, but I feel like we're on the verge of this. It just feels like there's something different that's about to happen. And so I would also say if you're starting something, just pay attention to this. And, and I don't know, I, I'd like to think that, that we can all work together as an ecosystem um, and not just follow this same model that people have been doing for the last five or ten years on mobile. I mean, I'm just intellectually interested in this feeling of something next.
0: Do we have more questions in the audience? We had one there.
1: Yeah, so um, Zinger's rise was quite rapid, but the, mo- but the
0: mobile casual gaming space has changed a lot since then. If you were starting today with a similar level
1: of ambition for the company, how would you go about it? Does, does the market today allow for what happened to Zinger anymore? Great question. It's weird. Um, I I guess I have two different answers. On the one hand, ironically, and I was saying this to Mickey before we both spoke, that um, the original vision that we had for social gaming, it doesn't feel like anyone, including us, has delivered that much on it. So we thought that gaming could be this medium um, for people to be social, to to express themselves, to be really found and seen that offered so many more dimensions than you get on Facebook with a like or just posting a photo. Um, Games offer this chance, kind of like it's Halloween, and there's this chance to take on a different role. There's a chance to be altruistic or heroic. Um, And I don't feel, other than in very hardcore games like World of Warcraft, I don't feel like that is available and accessible to consumers. I think that's wide open. I, I feel like, Minecraft touched on it, um, and so I think that's completely available. And then the second answer for me is, I, th- I think. Go. I think that you've. There's a few breakthroughs that are getting to organic growth, and if I were starting a gaming app or company today, I would hold myself to a high bar of if I can't t- get to organic, I'm not doing it. And I'd say if I can't get something good enough, that. It spreads some way other than ads. Then it's a B plus.
0: All right. Do we have more questions in the audience? Hi. Uh,
1: my name is Val. Um, I would like to ask you, what do you think about uh, future of um, social uh, platforms? Uh, don't you think uh, we have to change the focus from uh, online media sharing to? Uh, real world uh, real life and uh, people's activities and uh, life uh, uh, life communication between people and uh, getting together and uh, do some things uh, uh, something like that what do you think
0: so I guess the question was uh, move sort of social media to more sort of more from like media and news sharing to like real life sharing
1: yeah, absolutely, so um, for don't you think we, we we have to to make a next step and start to bring social networking in a real uh, people' life experience yeah i I guess I feel and again, I think this is an opportunity I feel like the the amount and the pace of innovation in social feels like it's come to a complete halt in similar way to uh, I think where we were at one point with AOL and we were kind of waiting for AOL to do something. And if they didn't do it, nothing was going to happen. I, I feel like it should be, there's, there's just, I think that it should be easier. I think just dumb things like I didn't know that Philip Kaplan was here. Why not? Like, I'd like to know, like, That's an opportunity. Like I have friends and people who might be around me, but somehow if I'm waiting for Facebook to offer their nearby thing or something, it doesn't happen. And and in a way, as a result, we're kind of back to being more alone and less connected. And, and there's a lot of effort we have to put into connecting and there's not a lot of intelligence in the system. And it's because if we want to innovate, we'd have to go build our own social network, our own software. We'd have to aggregate the cocktail party. That's a lot of fucking work just to want to do this one thing of this kind of social radar app. Why can't we just add that one piece? And that's why I just and I'm I don't have it better form, but I wish my hope out of coming here today is that maybe a few of you get interested in this idea of what does it look like to all participate in an ecosystem and whether it's an open source WeChat or map or something where we start to look at this beyond our single business plan and say, okay, none of our business plans are going to work until we solve for this cocktail party and somehow consumers... Are, are fragmented and, and left alone by this system and I know we believe Facebook's the end state or Snapchat but and they're amazing companies and products and innovators but they're also limited because they're siloed and they're not purely open and interconnected and and I'm, I'm curious how that might work differently.
0: All right we're almost out of time so I just got to Couple final rapid-fire questions. Um, you mentioned for for the book um, Ready Player One, as in as in your uh, favorite book or or the one you'd probably recommend most. Um, do you have uh, books for places two and three? What are some other books that that you've gifted most or that you really enjoy?
1: Um, to be honest with you, I think I'm my my latest addiction is more binge watching Netflix shows. <laughs> um, Oh, that's great. I, it's a painful thing to admit. What What's um, your
0: favorite re- show you recently binge watched?
1: I mean, I was completely obsessed with Black Mirror. And has everyone watched that? And I was like, what the fuck? Like, these are a bunch of Hollywood people. How do they have ideas that are better than we have in Silicon Valley? Like, who are these people that came up with these ideas? They're really good. So I got new, uh, new business ideas just watching that show. I mean...
0: right. Entrepreneurship 101. Uh, and finally, is there a question you, you wish people would ask you, but never ask?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, nothing's popping in my head. I don't have my last question for you. All right. Thank you so
0: much for um, working through the fever and, and being for us here, answering our questions. Let's give a big hand for Mark. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Slash Podcast. Find out more about Slush at slush.org. Please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't yet done so, subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.